Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness, this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, go toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you. All the days of your life, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I have swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do, according to all the word of God, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it, from the right or the left, that you may that you may prosper wherever you go. This word of God shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then skipping on down to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke this word. Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. He said, The Lord your God is giving you rest and giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you on this east side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed. All your mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest, just like he gave you. And they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. The last two weeks we've been talking, and I'm not going to go into a lot of what we covered the last two weeks. In fact, I've asked Dina, and she has done a good job of getting uh, all three sessions now uh, on one page of outline. But I'm not going to go over that first page, just some highlights. Um, when Moses, uh, when God spoke to Joshua, as we said before, the first thing he said to him was pretty astounding. Moses, my servant, is dead. What we covered the first week is Sooner or later, God is going to remove all your false sense of security. Sooner or later, God is going to help you understand that no man is the source of your eternal security. That no man can make life worth living for you. Sooner or later, God is going to help all of his children understand that there's only one all-sufficient father, and it's not anybody with skin on. 
sooner or later, God is going to remove all of our false sense of security. For you, that might be a husband. It might be a wife. It might be a dream to have a husband or wife. It might be a, a boss. It might be a job. It might be a bank account. It might be any number of things. But sooner or later, God is going to let you know that what you are depending on is dead in its, as far as its ability to make you significant or to have security. Sooner or later, the Bible says our God is a jealous God. That is, He wants you to know the truth really bad. And when we, you and I begin to put our security in somebody or something that is not our Heavenly Father, then God has a way of letting us know. So God speaks to this mighty man, this, uh, Joshua, to say, this, everything that you have been depending on as far as Moses, you served him for 40 years, you listened to him, you honored him, that is well and good, but he's not in the picture anymore. And if I'm Joshua, I'm saying, oh boy, what do I do now? Then God said, arise. To, when God says arise, that means he wasn't arising. He was in a sedentary position. He was sitting still. And God said, it's time to get up now. God's saying this to some of you who are listening to my voice. It's time for you to move on. You have been hurt, and it is awful. You, you, you have been disappointed, and it's awful. You've been in a, in a place of emotional lockdown, and it is terrible. I've seen you. I, I have listened to your heart. I know it's breaking, but i got to tell you, it's time for you to get up now. It's time for you to begin to move. I've got a, a future in store for you. Your, your future is brighter than your past. Your yesterday is not going to define how I feel about you. I, have, I am developing something on the inside of you that is going to be special. But you've got to arise. You've got to get moving. And notice he said you and all this people. The scholars tell us somewhere between two and a half and three million people were under the leadership of Joshua. How would you like to be Joshua and have had a mighty leader that held out the rod of God over the Red Sea? And the, and the seas parted and um, had, to, had to actually watch your friends and loved ones who were full of unbelief not make it. In fact, all the adults over 20 years old who had disobeyed God and not moved forward died in the wilderness. You see, there's only one alternative to moving on, and that's dying where you are. And that is not God's highest and best for you. <clears throat> every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you. In other words, I'm going to go back to the promise I made Abraham. You're a son and daughter of Abraham through faith in me. And everything I promised Abraham, I have not changed my mind. I have not changed my mind. And I'm got, but, but you're going to have to partner with me. You're going to have to tread on that land. You can't just sit over here and pray and, and uh, all of a sudden, poof, there it is. No, you've got to get up and walk this out. I have already made the decision. I'll go before, with, and behind you. I love uh, the verses before there, verse 5 and verse 6. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. And then we begin to see that God gives Joshua 
a prescription for success. A prescription for success. And notice that when God had a visitation, a holy visitation, with Joshua, the very next thing when he opened his eyes was the Jordan River. Oh, you thought it was going to be angels and singing and choirs? When he got out of this conversation, the next thing he saw, Buzz, was the Jordan River. And the Bible lets us know that this was in the spring of the year, and as I said last week, it was easily crossable in the fall, but in the spring, there was, the scholars tell us that it could swell up to a mile wide. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God will speak to you many, many times in the depths of, right in the middle of having to face your Jordan River. What's yours? What's your Jordan River? It might have to do with the relationships. It might have to do with family. It might have to do with ex-family. It might have to do with a boss or a job or a checkbook. It might have to do with all kind of things. But whatever that Jordan River is, it represents fear. But it also represents an opportunity. The enemy wants to use the Jordan River to say to you, you'll never get there. You can't have God's highest and best. It's over for you. You can't get through. It's impossible. But what God is trying to say to you through that Jordan River is, I know how to get you through, and I will get you through, and my promises are yes and amen. And I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. I won't leave you. You just have to get going. You have to take the next right step. That Jordan River is great difficulty. It can be challenging. It looks hopeless. But it's really not the externals that really is the problem. It's the internals. You see, the river was never an issue with God. And it really wasn't an issue with Joshua. The real issue was fear. God said over and over again, do not fear and do not be dismayed. That word dismayed means to be put in lockdown. It literally means to be shattered by fear. And God says, don't fear nor be dismayed. I am with you wherever you go. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. You thought that was something that I did through Moses? I hadn't changed. I can do and will do for you what I did for Moses. Don't be afraid or be dismayed. You know, that thing, uh, that, that thing of fear is something that is uh, probably the biggest enemy that most of us have. Oh, it may be condemnation or shame or anger. It may be worry. But you know, fear has a lot of different tentacles to it. Sometimes when you get of a certain age, that fear may be fear of being disabled, not being able to take care of yourself. It may be the fear that of losing a relationship that means everything to you. It may be the loss of resources, thinking that I won't have enough to operate. It may be the fear of losing your health. It could be the fear of rejection. You know, that fear of rejection is strong. And that's the reason that we try to 
overdo it to try to make people think that we're something that we're not. The fear of rejection means that we've never really received the love of God. See, if we get revelation of the love of God, we can tell the truth about ourselves. We don't have to hide things and we don't have to constantly spin things to make us look good. The fear of rejection uh, is deep. And only the love of God and the revelation of it can break its power over us. Sometimes we're so afraid that we will fail that we'll do anything to make us look like that we are prospering and being successful. Sometimes fear is that fear of being alone. Whatever our fear is, it will keep you, it will keep me from having God's highest and best. God says again, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. As Pastor said earlier this morning, his presence is the difference maker. And he has promised, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you see or hear or don't understand, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, What is our job? As we said last week, first of all, don't let the word of God Keep from coming out of your mouth. You've got to speak that word. And you've got to meditate in it. That is that internally you begin to, to, to go over it and over it in your in, inner man. That you meditate on it day and night. That is that you bring it down and bring it back up and up and down. And you, and you begin to meditate on it so that it saturates your inner man. But you've also got to speak to your outer, with your outer man. How many of you know that the person you believe the most is you? Do you also know that I don't care how fast your mind is running, it has to stop and hear what your mouth is saying? You didn't even get saved until you said something. Romans 10 says, verse 9, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and then believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart you believe, resulting in your right standing. But it is with your mouth that you confess that hooks you into your salvation, your deliverance, your sozo, your healing and wholeness. Your mouth is connected to God's highest and best. Well, why is it that the Word says, don't let this Word quit, uh, keep, quit coming out of your mouth? Well, right before that, in the book of Deuteronomy, we find that God said, here's what I want you to do. If you will hear my Word, if you will obey my Word, I will command the blessing on you. You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country and blessed coming out, blessed going in. You will be blessed. I will command that blessing on you. You'll be the head and not the tail on top and not underneath. Your enemies will come against you one way and flee from you seven ways. That's what God was saying. You got to keep my word, this law that I just gave you. Keep it in your mouth. Do you know that the words of your mouth 
dictate what you really believe in your heart? In fact, Jesus said that, by, that, that it's our words that give us away. It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So what's really in my heart is what comes out of my mouth. Our heart and our mouth has to be lined up together. And that's an ongoing discipline, isn't it? You can't do that on your own. You need the strength of the Holy Spirit to do that. Well, I'm really praying for my children that they'll finally get it, God. I don't think they're going to, though. They're just out of control. God, I ask you to bring us into that place of abundance so we can be a blessing to the kingdom of God. But you know, we're never going to have anything. We never have, we never will. You just decreed your future. You really decreed what you really believe. Lord, I'm asking you to heal my body, but you know what? I'm sick and nobody else has gotten through this, so I don't guess I will either. So do you see why God said, whatever you do, keep that word in your mouth. God, you have promised our father Abraham, and you will not lie. You have used your servant Moses, and what you did through him, you can do for us. Keep that word in your mouth and meditate on it day and night. That's the only way that you're going to break fear off of you. Fear is, everybody say this with me, fear is too big for me. Without the power of God's presence and His mighty holy word. And you know how long it takes you to get in fear? Just like that. A thought will start accumulating down a hill toward destruction. Man, you can think, ah, I don't feel so hot today. And then all of a sudden, in five minutes, you're on a ventilator in the hospital. You, oh, boy. Ooh. You know, I, if, I, if, I, if we don't get some breakthrough soon, oh, I'm living in a cardboard box under I-65. You can get there fast, real fast. That's why God says you've got to hook up your mouth with what you believe, with my word, because you're the, the word of God is full of life and power, Jesus said. The words that I speak to you, they are, they are spirit and they are life. The spirit is powerful, it's more powerful than flesh. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is full of life and power, sharper than a two-edged sword. When I begin to speak the Word of God, it'll cleanse our mind. It'll heal. It is a source of strength. It'll break the grip of fear. It's the Word of God. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for I'm with you wherever you go. And then... We found out in verse 12 something that usually when we study this passage, 
And I, look, I want to tell you, some of y'all have sat under uh, my teaching for 30 plus years. And you know, I've taught this many, many times. I learn something every time. It gets deeper and deeper to me every time. And here's something that I have just passed right over in the past, but I'm not passing over it today. So here they are. The Jordan River is all around, and it looks impossible to get through. And I'm sure many of them begin to think, you know what, maybe we would have been better off back there in Egypt. Uh-oh. But look, God had a plan. He told them, keep my word in your mouth, meditate on it in your heart, be careful to do it, don't let fear, do not be afraid or be dismayed broken down in fear, for I'm with you wherever you go. And then something amazing happens. Verse 12. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Okay, so back in the book of Numbers, we find out the historical journey of the children after they had been miraculously set free from Egypt, miraculously walked through the Red Sea by God's mighty power, and um, they were on their way, on their way. Obviously, they got sidetracked by the unbelief of their leaders. For 40 years, they wandered around out there, and they were about to come back to that place of faith and back to that place of possession. And uh, two and a half tribes, I'm sorry, uh, let's read it again here, to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, two and a half, those tribal leaders were out there in the midst of this incredible fertile land on the east side of the Jordan. You've got to understand that the Jordan River was west, heading into the promised land that God had given uh, by decree to Abraham. And so... <clears throat> Over all these 40 years, they had accumulated all kinds of assets, mostly in livestock. And two and a half of the tribal, tribal leaders came to Moses while he was still there. And he said, listen, we mostly, our whole life is built around taking care of the blessing of God through our livestock. That's an asset. And uh, this is a fertile area. It would really suit us well. Would you consider asking God to let us stay on this side of the Jordan? Sounds selfish, doesn't it? Oh, oh, you mean you don't have to go over the Jordan River? Oh, you don't have to go and face the walled city of Jericho? You don't have to face the Hittites and Jebusites and Perizzites and Amorites? Sounds selfish, doesn't it? Would you allow us to settle here on this side of the Jordan and not have to go over there? And surprisingly enough, Moses consulted the Lord and Moses said, you can stay here. You and your wives and your children and your livestock, you can stay here. On one condition. Are you ready for this condition? Watch this. This is a key to their victory. 
13, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you. And they also have taken possession of the land which he's giving them. Then you can go back and return to the land of your possession and enjoy it. I am going to give you rest. You don't have to face the Jordan. But here's what you do have to do. You have all your mighty warriors, everybody who's been operating under the army of Joshua, all your fighting men is going to have to go with this group through the Jordan and into the land. And get this, until they get rest, you don't have rest. Oh, what a principle here. Until they get rest, you don't have rest. You know what God is trying to tell you? The key of speaking, believing the word of God, walking forward in obedience. But you know what? You're not going to win by yourself. Some of y'all have been living in a dark place with all this hurt and this pain and all these challenges, and you got too much pride to tell somebody you got a need. You're trying to fight this by yourself. You won't win. Oh, but I'm a godly man, and I know, I, I read all my Bible, and I pray every day. You won't win by yourself. Why? God won't let you. The, the church of Jesus Christ in our country especially is being deceived by the devil to say you can be dependent. You don't need a body to walk with. You don't need spiritual covering and relationship. You don't need that. You just do whatever makes you feel good. That is a lie of the devil. You're going to get in a place to where it is going to be so excruciating. I got to tell you, you won't win by yourself. But I got some more good news for you. God has already chosen in his mind and heart. God has already chosen some warriors who will jump in there and fight with you when you're too weary. But you got to get out of that place of pride and admit you have a need. You say, well, if I do that, you say, I have such a fear of failure, such a fear of rejection that if you were to come clean, you think people, look, God has got some people who will fight with you and for you if you will just let, if you'll just let them know, hey, I, I need I need some help. And the, 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 the warfare I'm talking about is intercession before heaven. Amen. That's where earth's 
issues are settled before the throne of God. And it's a fight. Over 20 years ago, Dean and I were in such a battle for our son's life that we, we were absolutely exhausted. People didn't know, but that little Tuesday night Bible study I did there in Mountain Brook, people wouldn't know I'd sometimes leave the hospital and come over there and fall on the floor in the office because I couldn't go another step, not a second. You were there. Nobody ever knew, though, did they? I'd cry out to God, say, Lord, I can't do this. You ever been there? I can't do this. Yes, you have. There are people in here. I see people in here. I can't do this. The Spirit of God would blow enough oxygen <laughs> into my lungs and airways and vocal cords and give me enough strength to go home before I'd fall on the floor again. Then I'd be at the hospital and I, sometimes I'd wake up after I don't know how long. Just, I, total exhaustion. <clears throat> Watching the last breath, you were there. This is a great doctor right here. How you get through that? What I found out later was in those crucial times, those days and nights, we found out later that there was a small core of people who had enough information to be before the Lord day and night. They were fighting. We were. We fought all we could fight. Just a few months later, this man got me to a doctor, and uh, I had two 100% coronary blockages, 100% blocked and 195. I ain't supposed to be here today. Surgery had to come fast. They had to put me out, put my heart on a machine out of my body, sew in arteries. We were so exhausted, we didn't know how to pray anymore, hardly. But you know what we found out later? There was a group of people that our assistant had assembled who had come to our old office over there and they went before God crying out for the, the Lord to intervene and keep their pastor alive and use a wonderful surgeon in everything involved in that life-saving deal. And here I am. Now listen to me, church. There are times in your life that you will never get through without 
some God-called faith warriors to intercede for you before heaven. Stop staying in a secret, dark place and find an inner core that you can trust. Especially if you're about to walk through the Jordan River, you better get some supernatural help. Do you have an inner core? You say, I don't know, Pastor, you can be strong enough to... No, look, the word's very clear. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be on the alert, because your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Who does a lion devour? An isolated creature. You're very attractive to the devil if you get isolated. You remember when this mighty man of God, the Bible says there's never been anybody like Moses. Mighty man of God, mighty miracles, unlike anything any ever ever seen. There was a mighty war with the Amalekites and the Israelites. As long as Moses stood before God and raised his arms, the Israelites prevailed. When he was too weary to go on, his arms would drop in exhaustion. And the Israelites would be wiped out. I mean, slaughtered. And so Moses called for help and admitted he couldn't do all that by himself. Aaron and a man named Hur got on either side of him. And they would raise his arms up to heaven in a place of intercession and dependence on on God the Father. And when they did... Israel prevailed again. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You've got to have some people who are lifting you up if you're going to succeed. Peter was a mighty, mighty, mighty man. He preached one sermon and 5,000 got saved in the streets of Jerusalem. But after that, he got in trouble. He was arrested and he was about to be executed by the Roman emperor. But the church began to pray. God sent an earthquake and delivered him. And he got to fulfill the rest of his ministry in great power. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 1, he said, I went through something. He said, I despaired even of life. Wait a minute, the apostle? Yeah. The man who wrote several books of the New Testament? Yeah. He said, I got into such a place of, of, of depression and isolation, I despaired. I didn't even want to live anymore. But the Holy Spirit of God, God who raised the dead, showed me His grace and the church partnered with me in prayer. Heaven has a role and earth has a role. And the Lord spared him because of God's grace and the church's partnership. 
Even Jesus said to the disciples in his distress in the garden, I'm burdened beyond measure. Watch and pray with me. Jesus asked for people to pray with him. He was in a crisis. Why can't you do that? It's a holy assignment. What is God saying? If you're not going through this thing that these people, your sons and daughters, your, your brothers and sisters, if you are in a place of rest, you've got to go out there and get in warfare for them. You know, one reason why The focus of this church has a lot to do with intercessory prayer. And one reason why so many of you trust us to pray for you is this. We're not in the battle for a child's life today. We're not in a battle for my very existence and life today on this earth. We're at a place of rest. So now we can war for you. You want somebody to go to war for you? This is the place right here. But you've got to come clean. You've got to be open and honest about where you are. That's the key to getting warriors involved you don't need a lot of them you don't need to go tell everybody your business you don't need to do that but you need to have a small inner core of people who know how to go before the throne of God and pray for you listen to me church if you are at rest God is saying no you go to war for somebody else It's a holy calling. And it's part of your success. And it's part of our success. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I know we'll have a break next week, but I want to tell you, God is going to... Oh, we're not done. When we get into this next passage you're going to find out that our God is a God of surprises and he's already chosen some people to help you that you don't even have a clue about you would have never thought of it he's got some help for you hallelujah would you just give the Lord praise and thanksgiving for a minute here You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.